0: Take out your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 in just a couple minutes here. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. But I do want to read some verses. You know, and I remember this every time. If you want to see how God created things to be, you always go back and you read the book of Genesis. Genesis always gives us how God intended and created things to be. So I want to look for just a minute. I want to read a couple verses Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. In fact, I'm going to read the second part of it. I usually call it part B, the second part. And this really is where God gives you and I a choice. We all have a choice. In fact, God did this. It says, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden. And the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Even though God created all things, he created the tree of life, and he created the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because God wanted to make sure that Adam and Eve and everyone had a choice, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you have a choice. Sometimes you're stubborn. No, don't say that to them. Don't say they're stubborn. We all have a choice. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, if I were to hear that, just like you did, and if I eat off that tree, what's going to happen to me? And the day I eat of it, I'm going to surely die. I don't think they had a a conception of death back there. But you got the tree of life. And you got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know the story, don't we? Did they eat off the tree of life? No. What did they go for? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's when everything changed. But here's what I wanted to mention. They were given a choice. God gave us a choice. You choose to serve him or you choose not to serve him. But he's always given us a choice. So all the kids, I have this story to tell. And I want you to hear it from me because this will be wisdom for your life. And I'm sure your parents and grandparents will agree. So I was 18 years old. And it was the uh, summer. I would already graduated And I'm in church on a Sunday night, and I get called out of church, and I found out my grandma had passed away. My grandma lived in Indiana, and we really, probably in my 18 years of life, I only had seen her maybe three or four times, though we would connect on the phone. And it was, I remember going right home to go be with my mom. Didn't know that six months later in the mail uh, to my mom was three envelopes for me and my two other brothers. And in each envelope for us, she had bought on our birthday. My birthday is October 30th. On October 30th, beginning in 1966, she bought a U.S. savings bond. And on every year on my birthday, now if my birthday was a weekend, it would have been like a day or two later that she would buy it, right around my birthday. And um, she had given my mom the opportunity if she wanted to to give us The savings bond. Well, I was, you know, here I'm thinking, uh, I was really moved when I looked at every single birthday, she thought of me, and she went out to get a savings bond. But then something in my eighteen-year-old head clicked. I have some money, (laughs) so I started adding it up. This is 1985. It was ten thousand dollars. Now that'd probably be today, probably like you know, getting twenty or $25,000. So what does an 18-year-old responsible kid do? <laughs> yeah. Who said spend it? <laughs> you know, because I had an older car that you know, it really, I, I needed to turn, I needed an upgrade. I just, I needed a new car. So I went down at the time my bank was, if you remember Security Pacific Bank, An 18 year old kid, and I go in, and the lady adds it all up, and she says, It's not $10,000. Some of these have not accrued the interest. So I would recommend, and she used that four letter word, wait, right? (laughs) I encourage you to wait. It sounded like she said it loud. Wait until all of these come, you know. Well, there was no waiting in my mind. I believe it was somewhere around when she cashed me out, it was somewhere around $8,000. So she gave me the $8,000 Well, I was going car shopping. That's what I was going to do, right? I'm going car shopping. And so I I don't know if somebody told me to do this or if I just came up with this kind of crazy idea, but I took this $8,000 and put it in a Ziploc bag and I'd walk through car dealerships with it hanging out of my back pocket. Now, you know, when you're 18 years old and you go into a car dealership, nobody pays attention to you. But when they see hanging out of your back pocket cash, oh, man, they're getting you water and cookies. And, and so I would do that. Well, finally, uh, I ended up at a dealership here in Pasadena. And I, I bought a, uh, a little pickup truck, a little Mazda pickup truck. And I was wheeling and dealing with the guy. And I, I'm moving the cash on his desk around. And, you know, his eyes are just, you know, as big as can be. And so I remember coming home to mom's house in San Gabriel here, and I parked in front of her house, parked the wrong way, because I wanted to show off my car that here I'm an 18-year-old, right? And I went out and I bought my own car, and I haggled with the salesman, and I'm going to show my brothers too, you know, because they're kind of car geeks as well. And so uh, my brothers immediately come out because they see this pickup truck. And so they start going through it. Well, I'm telling my mom all about, you know, I'm wheeling and dealing. And I want you to know I made a wise investment. I appreciate what, you know, we called her mom, what she did. And I hear my brother, it doesn't have a radio. <laughs> you bought a new car without a radio? Oh, yeah, I'm a, I knew that. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a really good one, though. All right. Hey, this thing doesn't even have air conditioning. You sure got a great deal, all right. They didn't even give you air conditioning. Wait, the back window in the truck doesn't open? No, i got to get one of those. So they, you know they start picking my little pickup. Then you start feeling stupid, right? Oh, I bought a little pickup truck. He got me, that sales guy. No radio, no air conditioning, no window, and it's a five-speed. Oh, what would have the wisdom choice to make? Hang on to that money, right? Let that thing accrue. Put it away, right, kids? Hang on. Allow that choice. Don't be led by this soulful part of you that thinks you want the shiny car, right? And that you're going to walk through with money in your back pocket to get the sale. No, you want to stop and you want to listen and you want to get uh, counsel about it because we're always given a choice. We always have a choice. You know, all through, it's almost like all through the Old Testament, we read these words over and over. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. God is saying this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Notice what he says. Therefore, choose what? Life. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I've given you these opportunities. You can have life or death. You can have blessing or cursing. Nobody says, oh, give me the cursing, right? Put a curse on me. And here's what God says. Let me give you the answer. We like multiple choice questions, don't we? or we can kind of add in from words. Choose life that you and your descendants might live. Choose me. Choose my ways. Choose my words. Choose the way that I tell you to walk. Choose my way. But how many times do we read throughout the Bible, people choose death and they choose cursing. And yet what we're talking about is choosing that life. In fact, Jesus said that not only did he come to give us life, but he Aim to give it to us more what? Abundantly, an abundant life. Joshua kind of picks up on this in Joshua 24, 15, and he says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, do you know who his audience is? It's the children of Israel. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods, which, uh, the gods your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Here we have again, right? It's almost the same. You're going to choose life or death, blessing, cursing. Joshua reminds the people, remember the gods you used to serve? You either serve them, but for my house, we're going to serve. We've made the choice that we're going to serve the Lord. You know, in the book of Proverbs, the wisest man that ever lived that walked the earth outside of Jesus starts Proverbs 1, verse 7, and many times I think we miss it, which gives us that roadmap for our daily life. In fact, let's all read it together. Ready? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools... Despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord. I was watching a few weeks ago, and it was one of these sports shows, and it was a, a retired it's an announcer now, which I didn't know the guy was a Christian. And the analogy that he used for a football game was you know, he says it's almost like fear of the Lord. And if you don't know what fear of the Lord is, it's not being afraid of God, it's being in awe of Him. I'm watching this on a sports show. It's being in awe of him for who he is and what he said. So Solomon in Proverbs starts out with the fear of the Lord is the beginning. Where we start. The choices we make should be in the fear of the Lord. You know the wisest thing that I did with that money that I got? I tithed on it to my church and I got a letter from my pastor. He's probably shocked some 18-year-old kid wrote a check for that big. And I thought later, that was the stupidest truck you ever did, but the wisest thing you ever did was you gave right off of it because I feared the Lord. Jesus said this in John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but what did he say? I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give it you. You didn't choose me. There weren't people back then praying, oh, send us that Messiah that we can follow. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Jesus would choose you every single moment of every day. All right, here's the fun scripture. Ready? Solomon also says this word. How many of you are into New Year's resolutions? Are there anybody here New Year's? Nobody here. Nobody? Why? Well, because we usually like give up on them in two or three weeks. I'd love to own a gym in January. (laughs) All right. Everybody's going to sign up, right, for workouts. Well, here's what Solomon says in Proverbs 6.1. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be what? Wise. Do you know what the word sluggard is? You know, we only read it a couple times in Proverbs. Uh, It talks about the lazy man, right? Now, that's not your neighbor. That's you and me. I want you to think about when we choose things, especially when we go into 2020, have there been any places in our life that we've been lazy? Absolutely not. No. (laughs) <laughs> that's a strong word, right? Go to the, ant. Well, what do ants do? What's the example of an ant? Man, they're working, they're working together. They'll, they'll, they'll do things that look impossible. They'll just, you know, keep going on. Go to the ant, you slugger. Consider her, consider her ways and be what? Be wise. As we all go into 2020, isn't it good to have kind of a restart this week? You know, I know it's a calendar flip. I was reading something that says, you know, we start a new decade, 2020. When I was a kid, I already would have thought we'd have been in the Jetsons. I thought we'd be living in outer, that's what it seemed like. To say the year 2020 that we would be living, you would think we'd be living out somewhere, you know, like Star Wars or something. That's how everything was portrayed. But we live here, and all of us, we can do the same thing we did in 2019, or we can stop and make choices that we know that here's what we want to do. We don't want to come up with a choice that sounds good. We want to make sure that we stop and pray and say, God, what are you asking of me to do this year? How many of you could make a good list for the neighbor you're sitting next to? (laughs) Go to the aunt, you slugger, consider her ways. Whatever I was lazy on in 2019, let me, as I go into 2020, reflect on The good things of the Lord. You know, uh, when we had the church open house, we always joked about this because when we started our church in Charlotte, we had it in our house. And we always said our house was the cleanest that it ever was when we had church in our house. The open house, that house was the cleanest that it ever was. I mean, every floor was scrubbed, vacuums went under the couch, right? Right? The dust that you had to get a ladder and re- would do, the dust on top of the refrigerator. All of the windows were cleaned. Every trash can was emptied. Every refrigerator was cleaned out. I could go on and go on, right? Every every room was cleaned and every cl- clothes were folded and put away. Does that sound like your house? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but we all... it looks good maybe to come, but we all have those things that if we would just take some time. But we stop and we reflect and we pray and we ask the Lord this year coming in, what are the choices that we need to make? Well, let's get to Luke chapter 10. Hopefully you found it by now. Luke chapter 10. All the kids say, Luke chapter 10. This, this is a great story in the Bible Uh, And let me just read it first, and then we'll move on. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. After a ministry that Jesus just sent out, 72, we don't know how many people show up at this house. We know it's probably a lot of people, and here's what it says. Now, it happened as they went, he, talking about Jesus, entered a certain village. And a certain woman, Martha, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen the good part that will not be taken from her. My guess is even if we just said in this household that the disciples and Jesus showed up. We probably know it's a little bit more. This afternoon about 4.30, if there was a knock on your door and 20 people were going to come in your house to eat. Well, we have leftovers, right? We'd have a little bit of tamales and ravioli. I mean, we'd have... But you don't serve leftovers to guests, do you? Oh, let me get you something to eat. I've been wanting to get rid of this meatloaf for a couple months. <laughs> no, you would never do that to a guest, would you? No. So Mary, whatever Jesus is doing and teaching or talking about, Mary is sitting at his feet. And yet she leaves her, uh, the sister in Martha and Martha is busy clanging away in the kitchen Because she feels, like many of us, we'd feel obligated to feed people and to take care of them. But all of a sudden, as Martha is preparing this for the Lord in the house, this is Jesus, she's ticked off. Because she's probably trying to get in here, Mary, come on. You know, I'm sure there's all these, get in here, get in here now, get in here now, right? right? You're interrupting Jesus. That's what we read. And so she does this. fact, we read this in the Bible. Martha, the Bible says, is distracted. She's chosen to be distracted on the wrong thing because Jesus is in the house. And here's apparently what we read in the story. She walks right up to Jesus in the middle of whatever he's doing and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And then she goes on. Then you tell her to help me. It's like Jesus is going to say, "Oh yeah, Mary, get up, get up, get in the kitchen, right?" That's that's more important. Whatever she's cooking. But I said, Jesus, tell them to go do come on, help me. Jesus goes on, and he says, "Martha." And in fact, he says her name twice, Martha, Martha. You're worried and troubled. About many things. You know, if I was to stop and I was to think about 2019, I would have to honestly say that there were many times that I was worried and troubled about many things. Boy, I, was, I, I didn't even want to list them. I was just thinking of, uh, you know, you, you just go through different seasons that you allow sometimes the worry or the weight or the worried and troubled about many things. That's not what Jesus told her to do. Oh yeah, go in the kitchen and be worried and troubled. The Lord is not telling you today to be worried and troubled. In fact, the Lord is even not telling you, you know, be worried. Yeah, it's okay. What you're going through, be worried and troubled. He's not saying, you need to be. No. In fact, we get that reflection back to what he says about Mary. And he says, the one thing that is needed, Mary has chosen to do. Well, what was she doing? Sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to what he had to say. You know, let me jump ahead of verse in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 7. We read this a few weeks ago. And when I read it out of the New Century Version, it was one of those things that really stuck with me. And this is when Jesus was being uh, baptized. It says, then a cloud came and covered them and a voice came from the clouds saying, this is my son. Here's what me. Listen to him. This is my son. Listen to him. Well, here's what we know. After Jesus is baptized, he's led by the spirit out into the wilderness. He doesn't have anything to say for 40 days and 40 nights. Even when he goes into the synagogue that we read about in Luke, after they listen to what he has to say, they want to throw him off a cliff. But he's telling us this over and over again. Are you listening to my son? Are you listening? You know, the, what Martha should have done was just grab the chip bags and open them up and said, hey, serve yourself. I'm sitting with Mary. All right. There's a can opener and there's beans Heat it up if you need to eat them up. There's leftovers in the freezer. You can thaw, you can figure it out. I'm going to sit right here. I'm not going to get all distracted. But Martha was too busy serving Jesus that she didn't take time to be with Jesus. She got too busy serving him, preparing for him, that she didn't take the time. But Mary made the choice to listen. She took the time to listen. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Abraham Lincoln is famous for this quote, one of the quotes. Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. And you think, give me six hours to cut down the tree and four hours to sharpen the axe. What was he saying with that? I'm going to take time on the very first thing to make sure my saw is sharp because I'm going to cut that thing down in two hours rather than have a dull knife and I'm swinging for six hours to get it cut down. Or I'm going to make the time on the very first time so that I can do it right. Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. You know what Mary was doing? She was sharpening her axe listening to the words of Jesus. And I I said this earlier in the service, I need to always have a mental picture that Jesus is waiting at the table for me. Am I making that time to be with him? Martha's distracted and worried. Mary's sitting at his feet, listening. You know, as we were talking about earlier uh, in our announcements about the importance of Bible reading, I read this uh, article, this last fact that came out, I believe it was the day after Christmas, that a few reports on several sites that China was rewriting the Bible to fit and reflect the social values of the Communist Party of China. There are 52 nations now where the Bible is illegal. And in some of the nations that have allowed the Bible in, they made sure that in their official language, the Bible is not included. Uh, A couple years ago, I remember showing an image of, it was South Koreans that had all of these balloons, and in the balloons were Bibles that were in Korean, and they were sending these balloons over into North Korea they were guided by GPS to get to a certain location because they wanted to make sure that they could get the word of God into North Korea. And the article went on just to really praise these guys for doing it. And I remember they quickly said, no, 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 it's not us that you should be praising. It's the person that dares to pick it up off the ground. It's bravery who decides to pick up that Bible. Uh, one pastor that we know, he uh, went to China several years ago, and he spent three or four days with just a couple, a handful of pastors, many that traveled by train 18, 24, 30 hours uh, to come in. And he said this at the end of the time, he says, they were listening to every word I said, but when I looked around the room, I noticed that everyone had marks on their body. He began to ask them different questions. And he said, all of them, it was because they were imprisoned because they were pastors. They were caught and they were beaten and they were thrown in prison. But he said, when I would read the scriptures out loud, I looked at them and I noticed they were reading along without having a Bible. So he asked them about that. He said, well, in prison, uh, what would get handed around were pages of the Bible. And you would only have it for so long until you needed to pass it on. So when they would get that page, they made sure to put it to memory. Because they knew they had to pass it on because they could not keep it in their cell. Because their cell would be raided. So he said when he was reading through the scriptures, they were reading along because they had memorized. You know, for many of us like me, I count today day. I have four Bibles in my office. I have as many if not more in my house. And I come back and I think of these stories and I think Jesus is waiting for me daily at my table so that I can sit at his feet. Am I making the choice? The choice to do it. In 9.58 seconds going 27.8 miles per hour. Many of you have heard of Uh, Usain Bolt, the fastest man in the world, he went 100 meters in 9.58 seconds and they clocked him at 27.8 miles an hour. Man, he'd get a ticket in a school zone, he's so fast. So it went on to say, you know, it cemented, this was in Berlin, it cemented his status as the fastest man alive and it put him again on the winner's podium receiving gold. This article went on, it says, but the race wasn't won in those 9.58 seconds. It was won by the hours and hours of practices, workouts, weightliftings, special diet, and coaching. And the article ended with this. The race was not won in the performance, but in the preparation. I want to run 27.8 miles an hour. Wouldn't that be amazing? Running a 100-yard dash, and, but would you put in the preparation? I want to run a marathon. I think it would be awesome to run a marathon. Do you want to put in the preparation? No, I just want to run, and I want to just do the fly. I want to be the first one. I want to be the guy you know, that sneaks in and does it. It's the <laughs> preparation to do it. And somebody's going to rise up and beat his record. We say, somebody's going to rise up and beat the next one. But the race that was won was not in the performance, but it was in the preparation. Let me read one last verse here in Hebrews chapter 12. Let me get over there in my Bible. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2. Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run this race that is set before us, right? Endurance, we need it to run the race. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I can tell you this in 2020, I guarantee this, we're all going to be in a race. And every race we run is going to have curveballs thrown at us. It's going to have curves, and it's going to have long stretches, Some of the race this year is going to be up mountains. i got to climb a mountain. Some of it's going to be downhill on a bike. Right? Woo! Man, This is fun. We're all going to have a race. We're all going to have challenges. Isn't that encouraging that you came today to hear that you're going to have challenges in 2020? Isn't that encouraging? And you say, boy, just keep it up. Just keep it. Yeah, you're going to have, we're all going to have challenges. Jesus said that. Uh, we are going to have challenges and obstacles, but don't be afraid. Don't be overwhelmed because he's overcome the world. He's who we look to. But in order to run the race in 2020, in order to have the endurance, in order not just to perform, we have to take time for the preparation. And we don't read God's word out. Oh, I got to sit down and read my three chapters. Oh, we're in Leviticus this week. Oh. I don't understand it. I got to read uh, got all the, uh, okay, I skipped three pages. Here. I finished. Click my button, right? No, 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 it's sitting at Jesus' feet. John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God, right? He was in the beginning with God. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was God. So when I read the Word of God, I'm not reading empty documents. There's things put in there in Leviticus for a reason. There's things I'm reading. I'm reading those things. And the the Bible tells me that the Bible is alive. It's alive. It's active. It's powerful. And there are things that I need to hear every single day. And I need to hear about this year. And I know that whatever this year my, I might face, I know that I'm not alone and I know I'm in a race with endurance and I know who's going to help me because I've got to keep my eyes fixed on looking to Jesus. Peter only sinks in the water because he takes his eyes off of Jesus. Well, bow your heads if you would today. You know, and I think I say this a lot, it, The many times the most important thing is not necessarily me hearing from him, but him hearing me, because that means I'm actively praying to him, following his words. Lord, as we get that example today and we have Mary who sits at your feet and we have Martha who stays busy. Lord, would you impress in our spirits today to be like Mary, seated at your feet, listening to what you have to say. Even if we hear the clanging in the kitchen, and maybe we're distracted to kind of go in and help, may we remember the importance in our preparation and our love of the Word of God and our love for the Holy Spirit's presence in our life and our love of the direction that you have for us this year. And, Lord, I I pray, even as Solomon would say many a times in Proverbs, where the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that our honest and our fear of the Lord draws us to your Word, to listen to what you have, have to say, There will be obstacles, but the Spirit will speak to us to avoid that direction. There will be challenges, but the Spirit will speak to us to stand in faith and believe. There will be temptations, but it's the Spirit that will begin to speak to us to let us know that we cast aside those temptations. There will be things and thoughts in our minds that we know the Spirit will use the Scripture to say, cast aside those imaginations and anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. So, Father, may we be found again this year coming back to you, not a resolution, but a relationship, the most important relationship in our life, which is only found in in you And Lord, for all of our, our family members and neighbors and people who we've been praying for and, and seeking you for, I pray this year in their life that their hearts become open because we prayed. We bless and we honor you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Stand with me, if you would, for a minute before we close. We're going to close with this one chorus
1: ago i had read a book and it was called how to be a mary in a martha world we all live in a world that is crazy busy isn't your calendar crazy busy or am i the only one and as the end of the year progressed it seems like it got crazy busier i want to encourage you as we go into 2020 Figure out what it looks like in your world, in your Martha world, how to be a Mary in it. Because, see, it's gonna be, life's busy. And it's not only busy outwardly, but we get busy internally. It's like we haven't learned how to slow down. And I am one of the worst offenders. I need to purpose my heart going into 2020. To not only calm down the calendar, and some of it you have no control over, but you need to purpose, I need to purpose, to control the internal busy. So that Mary's the one rising up, and she's the one responding in the world that I live in. The world has enough Marthas. I think my name is Michelle Martha Marie Hoffman. It has enough. We need a few more Marys. And guys, that's for you too. Because Mary's not just a person. It's a position of the heart. Well, we are almost to 2020. And I saw a meme on Facebook about a week or two ago. And it said, for New Year's Eve, it shouldn't be Ryan Seacrest welcome, welcoming us into 2020. It should be Barbara Walters saying, hi, I'm Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. <laughs> Some of you might not get it. You might be too young. <laughs> but 2020's here. Who would have thought? But we're here. And with the challenges that it brings, I am confident that we serve a God who has a plan and a purpose for every obstacle, every challenge, and you are more than capable to be an overcomer in 2020. God has a plan and a purpose for this year, for your life, and for your family. Don't give up and don't give in because God has good things in store. Amen.
0: Hey, if you haven't taken, um, this is kind of sad news. If you haven't taken a family picture, a picture by our Christmas tree, all this stuff comes down this week. Isn't that sad? Uh, And our nativity, too. You know, if you haven't come by at night, I I had to repent of pridefulness the other night as I took Michelle to see lights. She was feeling better because I saw all the wimpy nativities that people do, and I was glad of our church one. So make sure you today get a picture with your family. If you haven't already... Because it all comes down for something for you to remember.
1: If you need prayer, please come up. Let us agree with you in prayer. And if you just want prayer going into this next year, come up and let's pray together. God bless you. Don't miss Food and Fellowship next door.